Welcome to the Get Down with Hurley Brown. This is a weekly series that showcases the world of sports with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. From the recruiters and players to the teams and coaches, we've got it all covered. Now, here's your host, Coach Hurley Brown. Well, hello, family. You are listening to the Get Down with Hurley Brown. I'm Hurley Brown, and I'm coming to you live from Merritt Island, Florida, home of the Mighty Mustangs. My co-host, Kelvin Harris. Yo. And we are here to talk to you about all the things that are going on in, in the world of sports. Now, Kelvin, just recently yeah. we've been hitting the head with this um, NCAA investigation for basketball. Now, this is something that's, you know, it's very touching and it's very dear to me. It's very close to me because of, you know, my time coaching college football, the recruiting the payment of players and all of that stuff. It's very interesting. It is um, it's actually kind of sad, but this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to devote this whole, this entire show to this investigation, the firing of Rick Pitino at the University of Louisville. And I mean, Chuck Person, you know, Emmanuel Richardson, you know, all of these guys that have been fired due to this investigation. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on it, Kelvin? Say it again? I said, what are your thoughts on this, and and what do you know about everything that's going on? Well, the uh, FBI is making a real serious effort. Uh, I don't know a lot. There are some conspiracy theorists out there who think that Phil Knight called in a favor to get the, you know, current president to turn the FBI on to Adidas because Adidas has uh, stepped their game up pair-wise and Nike's feeling the heat. I don't know. I, I mean, I can't comment on that part of it. I know that the FBI is putting the heat on these assistants. They've tapped people's phones. Um, a good friend of mine in Houston who's an attorney, one of his uh, law school mates, who actually is an EEOC judge, but she did some um, some work with uh, helping some people with, you know, their child support in, you know, in, in Texas. And one of them was one of these basketball coaches, or not coaches, but one of the apparel uh, guys. And um, she got a letter from the FBI a few weeks ago alerting her that she was uh, recording in a phone tap. You know, so she just so happened to tell my friend, and we were talking about it, me and him, and I said, whoa. So I have a good friend um, who played basketball in college, college at a major school, um, actually was a coach at Division One, and has been on the AAU circuit for many years. And I was telling him, I say, hey, be careful what you do, because there's a guy that just left night that went to Adidas, his phone is tapped, and he knew exactly what I was talking about. And it scared him. And, you know, he was telling me, he said, man, if they're doing it like that, it's going to be a lot of people that get that get hurt in this. And then shortly after that, you see Sean Miller gets caught on the wiretap, uh, you know, talking about DeAndre Ayton. Now, honestly, to me, the real crime in that situation is that he was only offering $100,000 for DeAndre Ayton. Um, to be honest with you, Hurley, any player in the top 20 Miles. right now 
For a high school kid coming out of high school? Okay. All right, keep going. Coming out, any player in the top 20 in high school is going for at least 175, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some reports that Ben Simmons uh, and his people got paid up, you know, put to 300,000. There's been some other reports, some other guys, you know. I, um, I know that this goes on. I had, um, a mentor of mine in, in Texas who was involved with our NFL Retired Players Association, his nephew played major college basketball, and he personally negotiated the deal. He said wow. they would go out on the golf course, the head coach would be on a whole other hole sitting in another golf cart, and him and the first assistant would haggle out the deals. And he explained to me the reason why his nephew went where he went was because one school – offered a better deal on the car. The money was the same, but the car was better. And I've heard some other stories. Okay, but, but, but here's the deal, though, Kevin. I mean, a lot of this stuff is, a lot, a lot, of, these, a lot of these are rumors. You know, and, and again, you know, I mean, having coached college football for 16 years, okay, yeah. you hear a lot of these rumors, you hear a lot of stuff that's going on, and... You know, and unless unless you are directly involved, unless you've ac- actually seen it, it's hard to believe because some of these numbers are just just crazy. Now, so w- when when this investigation came about, it kind of it confirmed those stories. All right. Again, oh, yeah. you know, it, it confirmed those stories. And again, you're sitting back, but you're talking about you're talking about a, a few individuals. You're not talking about everybody in basketball. And even in this situation, no. So you're talking about there are t- ten guys were arrested, all right, for fraud, bribery, and corruption. Okay, so you got and you got four basketball coaches from major basketball institutions. And again, Rick Pitino got fired at the University of Louisville once the investigation started. Once the investigation took place, he got fired. Okay, because they started yeah. looking into Louisville. So Chuck Person from University of Auburn. Emmanuel Richardson, University of Arizona, Lamont Evans, Oklahoma State University, and Tony Bland were the four coaches that were arrested in this situation. And, and well, at the, at the beginning of this investigation. So again, when they start talking about numbers like 100,000, 170,000, $300,000, Kevin, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for especially well, the scary part about it is like I said that the, for the top 20 players there's a certain number that's a going rate as a matter of fact I'm going to give you another I can't name names obviously my friend that I was just telling you about called me um at the end of last year and said hey man if you know this particular players people had him call me because he getting cheated and I said well what you talking about Said, well, right now on the market, he's only going for 125. He said, this kid is a top 15 player in the class. He should, the number for him should be at least 200 stacks. And so he explained to me what was going on. He said, whoever the handler is has figured out that the family doesn't know how the game works. So what they're telling the mom or dad or uncle or whoever it is, I'm going to make sure that you get to every game 
your boy plays in. And so he'll budget enough money to pay for airfare and lodging to each game, and then he pockets the rest. They don't hmm. know any better. They just say this dude is stand up and he's looking out for us. Hmm. So, so again, it's hard for me to to wrap my mind around this whole thing. And again, you hear about these stories, and you know you think that all this stuff is fabricated, okay? But when and let, let's go back just just a little bit because I, I don't know if the family you know is quite following what what we're talking about, family. The NCAA, the FBI, has launched an investigation against college basketball, um, major college basketball programs. And the allegations are, or the charges have been bribery, corruption, and fraud. Now, so hypothetically, and again, we don't know how true it is yet, but Young young players coming out of high school have been getting paid in, in, in different fashions, in different ways, to try and convince them or to persuade them to go to a particular college or university. Now, here's the deal, Kevin, because at the end of the day, it comes down to the almighty dollar. And that's what it boils yeah. down to. And, and this is why it's so sad to me, because you, know, you look at a guy like Chuck Person who played in the NBA for a long period of time. And he's a college basketball coach. So there's a couple of different, there's, there's a few different, uh, you know, j- there's just so many different things that are wound up into all of this that you can relate to or that you can factor into these guys having to do this type of stuff. One, it's the actual, you know, it's the pressure of winning at these programs or these institutions. So oh yeah, th- that's, that's one of the issues. And, th- and that's what really bothers me. Two, it's, the lack of money that these amateur coaches have or don't have, which forces them to go out and, and basically sell a kid or sell the, the recruiting of a kid. Well, I, so that, I, I, I'll stop you right there. I say it ain't the lack of money. I say it's the, the greed for money because, you know, that was true. the other thing I was going to bring up. A lot of the handlers of these kids are the AAU coaches. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one more story right quick, Curly. My friend that I keep talking to, talking to you about, played on the same AAU team with Tracy McGrady and a few other guys. And he said they later found out that um, the coach had a racket going on. Like, okay, they were supposed to go to a tournament, and whatever the financial number that they told old boy, um, you know, for him to show up with the team didn't work out, he was like, well, I ain't going. So what he would do is he would call around to the college coaches and say, hey, I ain't going to that tournament, but I'm going to have practice all weekend. Y'all can come watch his practice. And then he would stand at the door and take cash from each coach. They'd have up 15 to 20 coaches, and he was asking $1,000 a coach. You do mm. the numbers on that. Mm. So, again, man, this basketball is different from football. And, you know, again, the pressures are still there, but it is different in the sense that, you know, one basketball player can turn around a whole program. He can change the game for an entire program. One football player that's can't why do the money, that. That's why the money is so much higher because right. the money can fall. Well, biggest 
case in football, I think that everyone talks about is Cam Newton. Now he is that one player that didn't turn around. Auburn is yeah, but but there were some other key money. factors that Auburn had too, though, Kelvin. It wasn't just Cam Newton by himself. Of course, he's the trigger man, so he's you know he's a quarterback, but. Yeah, the, you know, the Auburn had a pretty good football team. They didn't have a bad yeah. team. They just needed that one, that one more that that piece in which that's what he provided for them. But again, I just go back to, you know, this basketball thing with paying the players and all that other stuff is it, it, mind-boggling. We'll know more as the investigation continues. But when. When, when you start taking money and stuff like that, though, Kevin, especially for these types of for these players. Now, a, a few different things are, are going to come into play. So right now, the, N, the NBA is starting to they're contemplating on, de, on on a developmental league, on creating a developmental league. You mean so that kids, yeah, so, so that the kids don't have to. The NBA is saying that, hey, look, we're going to we're going to do this. Evidently, there's a bunch of people who are involved in the NBA that are that are not very happy with the NCAA, with the way that they handle things, with, with the policies, the whole nine yards. They call them hypocrites. And but you got to also understand that there's only 26 people that actually work for the NCAA. At the time that yeah. I was coaching college football, there's only 26, and they're trying to police the entire sports world of college of college sports. So well, there's a hip, the hypocrisy. You got to look at this, Harry. Let's think. Let's, let's let's stop for a second. If me and you weren't football players against scholarships when we went to Miami, let's just say we were violinists. All right, we were violinists, and University of Miami had one of the great orchestras in this, in the country. There is no regulation from another school chunking some bread at your mom or my mom to get us to be violinists at their school. Okay. Exactly. Hey, I hate to cut you off, but we got to take a break. But hold that thought, Kelvin. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Okay, all right. And again, when we come back, we'll continue this discussion of this NCAA, the hypocrisy of the NCAA, and this major investigation in college basketball. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back with the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we're talking pig pursuits. With few season restrictions, generous bag limits, and plenty of opportunities, hunters never tire of burning some bacon. Joining us is Fred Eichler of Predator Nation, Hal Schaefer from Greg Zipidelli's Drop Zone, and Jerry Courtney, VP of Marketing for Ranch Hand. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Okay, family, we are back. And joining us is Jason Setchin, who's a lawyer in Miami, who's he actually represented Jermaine Grace. Jermaine Grace was a University of Miami oh. football player that was suspended by the University of Miami for renting luxury cars. Okay, and Jason was his lawyer, and now Jermaine is actually playing for the Indianapolis Colts. He got a free agent trial with the Atlanta Falcons, made the team, ended up getting released, but the Indianapolis Colts have picked him up, and he's doing extremely well with the Indianapolis Colts. So, Jason, again, All thank right. you Good to hear. for looking out for um, for Jermaine. He's very dear to me. He's, you know, one of my he's one of my players. You know, I love him like a son. But, Jason, you also oh, represented the five star recruit and McDonald's All American who signed with University of Louisville, who's in the middle of this major investigation, Brian Bowen. So, Jason, welcome to the show. Thank, thank you, you for calling in. And I mean, just just so that the family knows and understands and you can introduce yourself a whole lot better than what I can. Jason, what type of law do you practice and what have you accomplished over the last couple of years? Well, Hurley, thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity. I'm a huge fan of the show and a huge fan of yours, as you know. Um, I have uh, been practicing student athlete advocacy for, I guess it's been about 12 years now, representing student athletes. Um, the high school level, mostly in the college arena, NCA violations, transfers, suspensions, dismissals, um, issues of that nature that have come up over the years in all sports, men's and women's, um, and just basically advocating for student athletes that have issues with either the institution, their conference, or in many cases, the NCAA. Okay, cool. And, and that's how we were able to you know, that's how Jermaine Grace found you. And evidently, you, there's a bunch of cases that you've already that you've already been involved in that are actually public cases. And people can actually go in and look that up and find out, you know, if, if you're having an issue, Jason's the guy to call with either the NCAA or your institution. He has a great track record and has done extremely well. But, Jason, we've been talking about this investigation, this college basketball investigation. Again, Brian Bowen is involved, was involved in this investigation. And, um, you know, what a great opportunity for us to get a guy like yourself to be able to call in and to explain to us and our audience, you know, what your thoughts are on what's going on and what do you think is going to happen? So my first question to you, Jason, is how does it get to this point with the NCAA and these major universities to where the FBI has to get involved? Well, it's an interesting question and, and one that uh, is still a story that's still being written. But one of the uh, obviously the schools make the rules, 
investment arm of the institution. And so what's apparently been happening at the basketball level, and it's still obviously more of it is gone, um, is that there hasn't been the kind of institutional controls at the school institutional level that they're supposed to be. And so people have been doing things that are outside of what is permissible under the bylaws of the NCA and the legislation that exists. And as a result, um, things have kind of deteriorated and spiraled to such a point where, at least according to the FBI, it reached a criminal level, in their, in their opinion, obviously, as they've indicted a bunch of people. And so now it's, it's past the NCAA level. Obviously, they're going to continue to do what they have to do in order to enforce the violations, but it's far more serious than that. And this is really kind of the first time that something like this has gotten into a law enforcement level. Right, and so that, that leads me to my other question. What, what, which allegations or which charges are actually criminal? Um, well, so the allegations are in essence, in, in a simple kind of nutshell, basically the argument is that these institutions are receiving um, federal funds, right? They get federal grant mm. money, and that as a result of them getting federal funds, there somehow is some jurisdiction there with the federal government. And so their argument is that if you're receiving federal funds as an institution and we're somehow a, a part of the college basketball world and people are ineligible to play and they know they're ineligible or there are people conspiring to make these guys ineligible because they're receiving improper benefits, then, you know, the argument there is that you've committed a crime. And so they've charged a bunch of these people by saying, hey, look, you know, you've been a part of a process to try and uh, facilitate payments or other improper benefits, and you knew or should have known that these guys were, were going to be ineligible, but yet the institution allowed this to happen or a coach let this happen knowingly, and so therefore you, you facilitated the crime or you knew about the crime or so forth. And so to me it's a tenuous legal argument, to be honest, but it's held up so far, so it's kind of how the FBI has gotten to this point. Hmm. That's interesting. So, because, well, because, because I got a question for him. I got a question for him. Uh, Jason, yeah. let's take Chuck Person. Are they saying that um, he used the federal funds? Well, yeah, how exactly are they tied into Adidas, though? Because it seems like, or in, in, I believe in Auburn's case, it's Under Armour. Are they saying that Chuck Person used Under Armour to pay these kids and that's illegal? Well, no. I mean, well, first of all, you know, I really can't get into specific individuals and their, their individual cases. So I don't really want to talk specifically well, I just, about I would just use him as an example. Chuck, I'm sorry. But, but, yeah, no, I understand that. But I, here, here's basically what's happening, and, and at least what's been alleged, is that since there's federal money involved because of the grants and kids are coming to play basketball when they shouldn't be there because they're ineligible to play, because the kids – or the coaches, or whoever knows they're ineligible, or those people that are trying to facilitate these improper benefits, they know that by offering an illegal inducement to a student-athlete before they come to school, that they're automatically ineligible, but they still allow them to come to the school. This is what's happening with these coaches, right? So if a coach is accused of being involved, and I'm not saying that any specific coach is or isn't, I'm just talking generally, but if, if, they're, if they're trying to argue that this coach was facilitating a payment or was involved in the process of facilitating an improper benefit to a student athlete, then that student athlete is ineligible. And that person knew that the at the time they started to facilitate it. So, so say that again, Kevin. 
Uh, he's defrauding. He's, he's defrauding like, the federal like, government. It sounds like right. I mean, what you're saying is yeah, you're defrauding the federal government. Right. In other words, you know that this student athlete's ineligible or should be ineligible, but yet not only are you a part of making them ineligible, but now you're benefiting from their eligibility by putting them on the court when you know they shouldn't be playing. I mean, that's the gist of what the feds are saying. And they're saying because our money is involved in all of this and wrapped up in this, that it's a federal crime. And in other words, more than just that, those people that are involved in the conspiracy to do that are now also being charged with conspiring with, and that goes all the way across the board to anybody that's involved. And that's, that's how they've been charging these people. The indictment actually is pretty easy to read, believe it or not. And it's, it's something that's available online if you fish for it. And, and it's, you know, there's some legalese in it, but it's not so legally written that, you know, somebody would read it and not understand what they're alleging. You lose track of all the coach numbers and player numbers. You start getting confused. You need to kind of keep a, keep a little roadmap of that stuff. But generally, it, it, it's, it's spelled out pretty simply in the indictment. Hey, so Jason, how much how much um, of this investigation will, will actually hurt these institutions, these colleges? Well, I mean, we got again, March Madness come right around the corner. So, well, the timing is concerning and alarming from a college fan's perspective. In that, now that this stuff is continuing to, you know, there was a period of kind of dead time where not much was happening with it, and then it perked back up right before before March Madness. There, there are two elements you've got to keep in mind. There, there's the federal criminal piece of it, right? And then that's, that's out there and that's happening, and anything can happen with that at any time because that's an ongoing investigation. But then on the flip side of that, you have the institutions, and then as part of the institutions, you have the NCAA that's overseeing them. So if a school becomes aware of a violation or the NCAA steps in and says we're aware of a violation and we're doing something about it, it could impact eligibility of specific athletes, there, there's not going to be a – I can't imagine that the NCAA is going to come down because there's due process, right? There's, there's allegations, but not, things haven't necessarily been proven against in, either the institutions or the student-athletes. These are just things that are out in, in uh, the spreadsheet and some other things that have been yeah. disclosed. Right. So you, you have this have investigation that's, go, that's ongoing. Right. Which ongoing also... And the tournament's around the corner, so – Right. They can't just come in and shut a program down because some guy handed a spreadsheet to the FBI. But at the same time, I mean, these are gonna, this is going to be a process. But individual student-athletes can be deemed eligible, ineligible by schools if they feel as though by allowing that person to play, it could hurt um, the record yes. of the team going backwards. Don't forget what happened right. with Louisville. They, they vacated a bunch of wins and so forth. Right. Because that's the national, I mean, and the national that's, title that they won as well. Yeah, right. That's true. It doesn't make any sense because it's not like we're going to unsee them winning the national title. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the issue uh, is though, Jason, because I mean, there, there's so much money to be made in this March Madness, and we all know what it's all about. Okay. And again, right. basketball has gotten to, it's gotten to the point where people really don't care anything about the season. Everybody waits for March no, Madness. They don't. You know what I mean? So it's, but with this amount of money being involved. I mean, you're talking potentially billions with these shoe companies. And, and Kevin made a, uh, he made a hypothetical, hypothetical statement earlier. And, you know, we're going to call it a hypothetical because we don't know. It's just rumor. Yeah. But saying that Phil Knight got wind of what was going on and he reported 
or had somebody call in and, and investigate, uh, launch an investigation on Adidas. And that's all this stuff came out. Now, I mean, it's far-fetched, Kevin, but I mean, there might be something to that because Adidas is actually, man, Adidas, Adidas is really trying to break back into the sports world. Right now, the yes, two biggest are. sports apparel companies, Nike, Jumpman, and then you have Adidas. I mean, um, right, I, I would be surprised if that were the case, though. I don't. The yeah, federal and, government and I would too, but you know, that, that, Nike. Yeah, but but it just shows you how much money is involved in this type of stuff, especially when you start talking about paying kids a hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars, one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Those numbers are crazy. You're talking about a, a 16, 17 year old kid who, you know, still in high school, and all, you, you're right. trying to convince him to. You're trying to persuade him to go to a certain college or university. Now, that's what I got a problem with. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. And um, and I'm going to tell you my thoughts on on why all of this got it just got out of hand. And it has a lot to do with recruiting and relationships. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Family, we are back. And, and we are here with Jason Setchin, attorney at law, and my co-host, Kelvin Harris. And Jason has has been, been around this NCAA investigation. He's actually been involved in it, representing players. We can't talk to Jason about those particular players, you know, conflict of, of interest. 
But what we can do is, is get his professional opinion on what he thinks is going on. And, you know, what I like to do, Jason, is just talk about what, again, what it's, I mean, guys are getting arrested. You know, like Chuck Person got arrested. Right. So, Crazy. I mean, yeah, these, and again, we're talking about, and it all goes back to AAU basketball. It goes as far back as to AAU basketball, all these little leagues, and football is 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 not far from that with all these seven on seven leagues and stuff like that. So, and again, before we took the break, what I what I was talking about was my opinion on what's going on and why it is so important to have recruiters that have these relationships that don't actually have to go out and pay players. But, and again, it's, it's just so much, Jason. It's, I mean, we can go on and on. We can talk about this for the next three days, for the next three weeks. But there are so many different, there's so many different avenues that we can take. But what do you think, it, what steps can we take from this point forward to help, I guess, police this whole thing? Because again, there's only 26 well, people that work for the NCAA. They can't. They right. can't police it all. Right. Um, you know, look. The thing about the NCAA, in, in a strange way, they're they're very misunderstood because the NCAA is formed and created to serve the universities and the institutions. And so, you know, a lot of the stuff that comes out about the NCAA this and the NCAA that, you know, and look, I'm not any kind of apologist for the way they do business, but. They're, they're, they're misunderstood in a lot of ways because it's, it's the schools that are supposed to be policing themselves at, at the lower level, right? That, that's where it starts. And so I think what needs to happen is that the schools need to make a bigger commitment to trying to kind of follow a game plan as far as what is or isn't acceptable in recruiting, and it needs to be rewritten as far as what that is. Because as it stands right now, obviously, look, Gray markets are created all over the world in every industry on the face of the planet, right, when they're necessary. And what's happened is that the system is so flawed and broken that this whole gray market thing that, that we were talking about before it was created and it's been allowed to develop and, and kind of fester for probably decades. And so the system itself and the process by which recruiting is handled needs to change. It needs to be fixed. And how you fix it, I'm not quite sure. I mean, certainly you would have better insight to that than me because you're, you were out there on the recruiting trails. But I, I would say that there needs to be some change at the institutional levels where they sit down and they figure out where is it broken and how do we fix it. And then once they've determined kind of where the big breaks are, where things just need the most attention, then the NCA can come in and obviously enforce it. But the schools have to enforce it. And that's, gotcha. that's where the problem is, in my opinion, is that the schools, the institutions who have the most to gain by winning, and you talked a little bit about the money. I mean, if the schools has a lot to gain by success and winning, then the school really policing themselves is a problem, right? Because they, some schools maybe take enforcement more serious than others, and then you start having problems with competition and unlevel playing fields, and then other schools feel like, Maybe they need to do something that they don't want to do, or maybe somebody in the coaching staff does that just to compete. And so it creates this kind of snowball effect where things get completely out of control. And unfortunately, I think that's what's happened. So I can't give you a specific answer as to what needs to be fixed, but I certainly know that 
a lot of parts need to be fixed. Right, but the, the issue is the pressure of winning. When you look at when you look thing. at college sports right now, and, and that's man, it's in all sports. You know, the pressure of winning is just so strong to where, and again, you got guys who may start off like they were talking about Rick Pitino. He may have gotten into the coaching profession, you know, for all the right reasons, helping young kids, you know, developing young kids in a better you know, men in society, husbands and fathers, all the right things, you know, and that's what we all get into coaching for. We all get into coaching because we want to make a difference in the kid's life. Now, over the past 16 years that I've been coaching, salaries have gone, have, have gone up. Yeah, they, they just, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And we were talking about it earlier, Kevin, when we were talking about Coaches that are making defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators on the college level in the SEC are making more as a defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator than most head coaches that are not coaching in power five conferences. So when when you start talking about those types of deals, when the, when the money becomes a factor, you corrupt the sport itself because you're, right. you're telling these guys if you're not winning. And let's just look at what happens. You got guys that are, that are going out there for three years. They coach for three years and get fired. There's been situations where even, I mean, Jack Del Rio coached out there with the Oakland Raiders for three years. He gets fired. And then they turn around and give John Gruden a 10-year deal, deal, a $100 million deal, you know, guaranteed. It's all guaranteed. So yeah. the, the, the money is corrupting the sport. Yeah, well, but the money's there's a bigger... so out of control. That's the problem. The money oh, yeah. numbers are phone book numbers. I mean, at this point, and it's hard to ignore it. I think the NCAA and the institutions have tried to kind of ignore that component to all of this, right? They've tried to act as though the money and the numbers are not important to them. And well, that's they, they, getting so they, they, they do that because they don't want anybody to come to them and start asking them for money. The kids are already right, out there complaining. All the parents and the families are complaining. Kids should be paid. I mean, but hey, dude. And, and, and in some cases, they should be. I mean, you're talking yeah, about a multi-billion dollar industry, and these kids get what? Weekend money? Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 but hurry, Jason. The, the, Jason said something earlier that's the whole lead into this fallacy. You said an unlevel playing field, and that's what the NCAA sells you on for these rules. Well, let's stop right there and and, and think about what that means. If the playing field really was level, then everyone would have the same uh, size football stadiums, the same size weight rooms, the same size budgets. But it's never that because Miami of Ohio and the University of Miami are never going to be on the same playing field. So now they've already sold you a lie. And they're using that lie to use the other stuff to not pay the kids. Because they're saying, well, it's a college sport and, you know, we got to have a, pl- uh, a level playing field. But Nick Saban and the coach for Miami of Ohio are never going to be on the same playing field. It's not even close. And so right. they've – and, and that's the biggest problem because the, the playing field isn't level. Because if it was, you would say, okay, Hurley, when you go out to a school, these, these, are, your, these are the restrictions you have – and you and everybody else in the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, and, and so forth have the same restrictions, have the same 
you know, you're, you're going from the same pot. But that's not the case because Alabama says, well, we have a 7,000-square-foot weight room. Well, you at Miami, you may only have a 2,000-square-foot weight room. How is that a level playing field? And that's the lie well, that they're selling to people. Well, let me say this about the, the level playing field concept. All of the facilities, I mean, it's never going to be, it couldn't be level in terms of facilities because you have private institutions and public institutions. You have some schools that have 8,000 students and schools like Wisconsin that have 40,000 students. So that, mm, yeah, I agree. From a, right, but so from a, from a facility standpoint, it's always, there's always going to be kind of a haves and have nots. But the one thing I will tell you was, you know, it is that the rules, if they were properly administered and everybody really had to comply strictly with them, the idea would be that a small school like Miami of Ohio, like you mentioned, would be able to sleep at night knowing that they're going to have an equal opportunity to compete at every sport because the rules are being applied equally. And, of course, the sales pitch at an Alabama or an Oregon is look at our facilities. They're better than Miami of Ohio's, And that will always play into recruiting. It always has. And it always will. And that's fine. That's just the way it goes. But in terms of the application of all of the rules and the way that people are doing the, way that the, doing the recruiting and the way that it's supposed to be done, the idea is that a Miami of Ohio should hope that everything is being administered strictly and that everybody's adhering to the same rules. Because without it, there's no way for them to ever compete at any level. It would be impossible because they're not competing by the same rules. And therefore, it's like trying to have a boxing match where somebody's wearing gloves and the other guy's wearing like <laughs> up, you know, his hands with glass on it. It's not, there's no way those two guys can compete if they both fight with the same, same amount of skill. And so well, there's, there's, the small there's never going to be a level enforced. Never. There's never going to be an, they, like, they'll say that they're adhering the rules to everyone at the same pace, but that's not true. And, and I, and you know, I'll go back to when Hurley was at university of Miami, Hurley, you went out, you did a great job recruiting. But, hey, let's just call the spade a spade. Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida had, I'll say it, an unfair advantage. And, they, and, 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 and deeper than that, those SEC schools know that they could get away with more because the NCAA is terrified of the SEC coming in one day and saying, hey, we out, we kicking rocks, we'll see y'all later, we're going to do our own thing. And then what? What is it? What is what is uh, the NCAA going to do? So they're going to give more leeway to those schools than they would to you, Hurley. If you if you made a mistake and and, and uh, you know gave five dollars for a kid that you know have have lunch, if if the guy from Alabama did it, there's a good chance that he probably won't get you know uh, called on it. But you, they're not just going to slap you on the wrist; they're going to cut your wrist off. And that's, well, that's a good that's point. The biggest problem. Yeah, yeah but, but really the, the, the issue is that with North Carolina. Exactly. But the, the issue is this. If, if, you, if the NCAA were able, because I remember one time, Kevin, when we, were at the, when we were playing at the University of Miami, Doug Johnson actually worked for the NCAA. But Doug Johnson oh, he, was placed. He told some stories. Yeah. Doug Johnson was placed at the University of Miami in our athletic department. Now, most, most compliance officers, most compliance directors at, at every school, I'm not going to say most, all of these compliance directors work for the universities, okay? But the only, and there, again, there's only 26 people that work for the NCAA. Hey, look, A-Rod is on my butt about taking this break. We got to take a break. We'll be right back for this last segment, then we'll close this thing down. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back with the Get Down with Hurley Brown. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, family, we're back. And this is Hurley Brown, your host, Get Down with Hurley Brown. And we got we have a guest, Jason Setchin, who's a lawyer down there in Miami. And then we have my co-host, Kelvin Harris. And we've been talking about the NCAA investigation where 10, 10 people have been arrested. Coach, the head coach at the University of Louisville, one of the, the best basketball programs in the country, has been fired. And there's an ongoing investigation. So we've been talking about that for the last 45 minutes. And, Jason, we're going to close with this. But the, the issue is this, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. Okay. Again, the... The pressures of winning, that's one thing, all right? The amount of money that's involved in March Madness, winning, tournaments, the whole nine yards, and then the the pressures that your school put on you to win. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- those issues. So you got guys that are, that are going out there that are, you know, and it's very tempting when you're told if you don't win, you're getting let go. The days of the Joe Paternos are gone. The days of the Joe Paternos where Joe Paterno coached at Penn State for, what, 40-some-odd years, those are done. That will never, ever happen again. So you lose the continuity. You, you lose. Well, Coach, Coach K's still doing it. Who? Coach K at Duke. I mean, he's probably the last dinosaur. Yeah, you're right. He is the last. Yeah, but when you look at his program, and again, this this issue may determine how all of that unfolds. This, this investigation may it may cost a lot of people their jobs, and I'm hoping it doesn't. 
because I know what it's like to lose your job. But at the end of the day, until we until we do something, and, and, and my suggestion would be this. Getting all these schools together and seeing who is the best college football team or college basketball team out there. But, Jason, and I want you to follow this, and then I want you to give me your thoughts. What if the championship was simply through your conference? We're talking about keeping everything on a level playing field. Once you've won your conference, it's done. If you win the SEC, that's it. You won the SEC champions. You've won the, the, the American Athletic Conference. That's it. You have 12 teams. You know, two teams play for the conference championship. It's almost like they do in, you know, in the Division Three, Division Two um, college football programs. When you win your conference or your division, well, your conference, it's done. So that's the only way it's going to you're going to keep everything on a level playing field because when you're playing for when, when you're playing to be the absolute best in the country, when you're playing to make sure that you get to a major bowl game or when you plan to make sure you get to March Madness to where you can continue to, to go on and play for a championship, that's when everything starts to get that. That's when it, it starts to go crazy because now you feel that you have to compete with everybody in the country, and you're right. The, the, and again, the NCAA can only do so much. They can only police it so much. The schools have got to have got to be responsible. But when your school or when the boosters or the alumni they're saying that you're not winning, you know, because you, you got some guys that are out there that that are running clean programs. Kids don't go to jail. Kids not getting in trouble. Kids are graduating. Kids are going off to, to, you know, once they graduate, they go off to get great jobs and they start, you know, supporting the university, giving money back to the schools because of their great experience at those schools. And then, but they're not winning. And they get fired. So then the next coach comes in and he sees that, hey, look, everything that this coach was doing he ran a clean program. He did everything. Kids aren't going to jail. Kids aren't, they're graduating from college, the whole nine yards. But he didn't win. I have to win. So I want to go out and do some things. He's tempted to do some things because, again, you're talking about guys that are making $2.5 million a year as a coordinator. You're talking about head coaches now that are making $8, $9 million a year in college. In the National Football League, guys are making $10 million a year. Man, those are temptations that even even the strongest willed man can be tempted to cheat. It's it's hard. And they're making it even harder. And again, I take my hat off to the NCAA. They're doing everything that they possibly can. Now, as far as paying the players, something has to happen. But I will tell you this. And Jason, I think you can attest to this. Their situations, their their rules in there are bylaws that allow schools to pay players. Just recently, what did they come out with? The um, cost of attendance. Oh, of course. Your, 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 your players, you can pay your players the cost of attendance. Some of those kids at the University of Miami are getting almost $2,000 a month if you live off campus. That's $24,000 Oh, yeah, off-campus check. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, so there are right. ways to pay your players. Schools like Alabama... Hey, dude, they're going to maximize 
the ability to pay their players everything that they possibly can within the rule books or within the bylaws. Actually, I, but, heard, I heard that's the new competition in football is that what you're talking about, that certain schools, uh, the number they can pay is higher than certain other schools, and they're using that in the recruiting. They're telling kids, well, we can pay you this amount monthly. They can't. Right. So when, when people start saying, yeah, when NCAA should pay players, what up? They do. Hey, I'm all for it. But there's, there are things, there are situations in place to where the payers can get certain funds. They have a needy fund. Well, there's a lot of things that can I happen. That makes sense. It's more than just pay, though. And I think this is one of the problems that, you know, when you talk about why is it happening, you talk about, well, coaches have pressure and they have to win, and that's why they may be doing things that are not necessarily appropriate. You've got the same situation with kids. A lot of these kids don't have a lot. Their families might not have a lot. And that's, unfortunately, there's not much you can do about that as a college athlete going into school from high school. But the, the, there needs to be more that's happening for kids that go to college that are going to be playing at that level. The NCAA and the schools have got to do more. Paying them two grand a month because it's some off-campus stipend is just not enough. And I'm not saying it has to be monetary. It should be partially monetary. But there are other factors that should be considered and should be a part of all of this that they should be participating in so that a kid has more to lose and feels more like going to school is not, it's not worth entertaining some quick money or something on the short end to sacrifice the opportunity to go to school and get all these other long-term benefits. For example, what if there was some type of uh, annuity of some sort set up, like oh, kind of like what they have in the NFL, up. you know, where right. their their, their care is paid for, for you know, or, or there'd be a fund for that, or your kids after they reach a certain age, if they played four years of Division One, all kids, no matter what sport, it doesn't. Have, I'm not talking about ten thousand a month, but they get a piece some fraction of whatever's earned, like for March Madness, for example, if they set aside a sum of money every year and that money was then put into a, some type of a fund and then kids got distributions off of that after they hit retirement age or something so far down the line, but it's an incentive to say, I'm not looking to risk that right. because, you know, somebody's going to give me $5,000, you know, for towards sneakers or something or whatever. Um, but there has to be something, and I, I'm just throwing ideas out there, but the reality is the kids have to be more invested in the long-term success of the NCA by getting a bigger piece. And it, doesn't, it should be money, but it could be other things too, fringe benefits and things that they may get later on. Because, Hurley, you know this. These kids come into school and they pitch kids on the idea that, hey, look, our school kids graduate, and these are our statistics for the general institution for kids getting jobs and making money. Well, I would look back and say, well, but what is what are the numbers for kids that are five years out of football? How many of those? Well, the, the, the issue, and, and you took the words right out of my mouth, and we got we got thirty seconds to finish this. But the the issue is this, Jason: we have too many kids that go to college and give four, some of them four, some five, six years of their lives, walk off campus, and can't find a job. Get nothing in return. Oh, they yeah. come away can't with find very little. They get a exactly. They need extra they get help. Very little. They need the push. Yeah. So these are the things, again, family, we, we can't solve all the problems of the world. Jason, I'm so glad that you were able to call in and talk to us. Again, you share, share some things with us that, you know, educated me. And I tell you what, Jason, that last piece that we talked about, if you would put together a package of what, what, what do you think that the NCAA can do or these colleges can do, 
man, we're going we're gonna to fight for it. We're going to push for it. Okay? But again, hey, thanks for coming. And uh, thanks, thanks for calling for in. Both of you guys. Hey, Kelvin, it's been a great show. Family, we'll be back next week. Same get down time, same get down channel. One last thought before I get out of here. Congratulations to Reggie Wayne, who will be inducted into the, the ring of honor for the Indianapolis Colts. And my main man, Mark Clayton, is on the ballot for the Hall of Fame for the, the 2018 Hall of Fame, 2019 oh. Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. Mark Clayton, my main eight. The touchdown maker, Don Ed, with the mind of Dolphins. Brothers. Yes, yeah. sir. But again, family, it's been great. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope we, we were able to, sh- to shed some light on some things. And for all of you guys that are out there that, man, inspire to be coaches, hey, do it the right way. Do it the right way. Get it done. Let's be great leaders, providers, role models for these kids and give them an avenue to where they can go and get a great education. But most of all, make sure that these kids go to school and get a meaningful degree so when they do leave, they can be like Jason, an attorney or something of that nature where he can go out and enjoy the rest of his life and take care of his family. But anyway, that's been my show. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into the Get Down with Hurley Brown. The coach wants you to join us again next week, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll have another great show ready to roll next week.